You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. It's, you know, like, here's what, here's what I do know as a producer. The ear, the average ear can only hear three things at the same time. And I spent, I don't know, I've written about 10,000 songs with about 10 billion notes per song. So I know what those songs do. And it's fun. There's a genre for that. Um, but I think a lot of things have happened during musical history of uh, what pop's done uh rap's done country started it probably of simplistic there's, there's a beauty in simplest simplistic music's very very hard to write a hit for mm -hmm. it's not as easy as if it was everyone would just do it Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of 2020. I'm Siobhan Cronin, as always, with Corey Peza, Benny Goodman, and back for part two with our dear friend Corey Lowry of Seether. We had a great, great episode with him in part one. If you haven't listened, go back and check it out. Like and subscribe, 2020-D.com. We're going to talk a lot more. We get really deep in this episode with him. It was really great to hear him open up about a lot of his experiences and stories about touring. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he definitely bears his soul and, he, and he's he's a very real person and you can tell that he genuinely loves what he does and he doesn't take it for granted. Uh, and he also likes to share, um, not only with the fans of, you know, Seether and the other bands, but share with, uh, you know, people like us and, and open up and he's, it was just really fun to talk to him. I'm, I'm going to be very transparent about this. So we've done like 100 plus episodes of this show and we've talked to a lot of people and there are some people that are, uh, you know, kind of corporate and, you know, say like there's certain things and they're not that deep and they, they don't really allow you to get, I guess, as they say, below the water. This guy's like, let me tell you about my soul. Let me tell you about my depression. Let me tell you about my dad. Let me tell you about like how hard things are and how long it's taken for people to even put like a face to the music that he spent years doing. And I salute this dude because... um He's literally what a true warrior, a lifer, a guy who's always in amazement of playing um, Clint Lowry, yeah. part two. No, not, not no, Clint No, not Lowry. Clint. That's his brother, that very, Ben. That was very beautiful. <laughs> that was, <laughs> it was a very out? beautiful build-up to <laughs> the wrong that? name. Corey, Corey Lowry. Lowry. He, he, he does, he on, does talk on. about his brother. This is this week, this week. Um. part two, Corey Lowry. Welcome to another episode of 2020. Um, we already introduced the the stupid hosts, so well, let's get, let's jump right back in to our talk with Corey Lowry. See their stereo mud stuck mojo. Um, let's talk about what's going on right now. You guys are on a tour. You and Siobhan, you guys are traveling traveling the world playing music. How's that going? We're having a blast. I mean, we did we actually did we did like. Then we did like three shows before. They were like quickies, though. They were like fly-ins for us, uh -huh. um, like festivaly. I don't know if they were headline or festival, but we, I, we played together a couple times. And I got—I remember one of them. I got to see the baby. Everyone was gone. Like it's like we had all had to leave. Like right, it were fly dates. We didn't have our okay, right. or any of that stuff. But I was like, that was the first time. And then, but Dustin, I've known Dustin for since. Gosh, 2004. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yep. 
we actually got to work together a long time ago and I completely forgot that and I got busted on it the other day. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, tell us about it. I'm, I'm curious because I, I didn't know this. even go into it because it's humiliating. Okay. I, we worked <laughs> together. He was in, what was the band? It was down. Downplay down, probably. Downplay. Yeah. We, I got to work with downplay and absolutely forgot about it. <laughs> I mean, how humiliating is that well you I'm do like, a lot of things i mean you know but, I, but, I get it but, but then when we started doing the tour i remembered and i talked to him about it i was like dude and i remember everything started coming back obviously yeah. but I, I was like and i just remember he was such an incredible talent great voice he had the he had the he had all that stuff that it takes to be a lead singer and it's going to deal with all that lead singer stuff you know, he was going to keep his mind on his shoulders rather than... But know. hold on. You're a great producer. You've worked with a lot of bands. So I have to defend you for a little bit because I'm not even a good producer at all. And I have actually pulled up whole songs that are produced as fuck, like <laughs> where I spend clearly 45 hours and don't remember at all writing or recording them. Thank and you. being like, wow, Thank that's pretty cool. That's that. nice. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> and I wrote it myself. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty catchy. Like, oh, how does that go again? And like... So to forget another band, like it sucks. It's a humiliating thing. But considering the fact that you're a producer, it's what you do. It's like you work at a grocery store. Do you remember every egg? Right, right, right. I mean, it, <laughs> but he, he, such a, it's been really cool to reconnect with him and get to know. I mean, so tell him about uh, you showing me how to play violin the other day. Yeah. So I was in the dressing room practicing because like, especially on our support tours, I like to take the time to practice when I can because especially headline sets it's just hard you don't have the energy it's part of the mental illness <laughs> it's, it's all part of the mental illness <laughs> but he you know Corey comes in the room and one thing I love about you is you what makes you probably a great producer is you're so curious and you love sounds and you love understanding at least from what I can tell understanding how things work and wanting to know more you know you say you write strings so you want to know how to play <laughs> these instruments and that's amazing because a lot of people don't you know some producers are just like like play this don't understand how the violin works which is fine but um yeah so he comes into the dressing room the other day and was like oh let me try this thing and I'm like showing him all the different <laughs> strings and you picked it up really fast you you know the right hand with violin like the feeling I had in my right hand everything was being just kind of like it was like opening the book uh -huh. of how this whole thing I'm interested am I, I now I want to learn I, I want to have a violin and a cello at the house just because I've never held the bow I've played stand-up bass and I played some horn instruments, stuff like that, but like I've never really sat and said, I, I am, and I guess I'm inspired from this tour. You got you, y'all are an amazing duet. Well, can oh, I tell you, you something that's a true story about Star Set? I brought uh, my 16 year old, uh, I inherited from my fiance. I don't actually have a child myself. Um, <laughs> people are smarter than that. Um, and her and she came down and 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 she saw Star Set and and the thing that she thought the coolest was was she's like I love the strings when they like lock in together she said it that way and you That's know awesome. it's it's of all the things I mean it's it's a great show and there's all these things going on but meanwhile she's like but the strings and that's something that Dustin that I you know we caught we've emulated with Lost Symphony is the way that he's able to fit 
heavy music and cool sounding guitars and all this production and still leave all this room, sonic room, because you understand like the production of Star Set is so incredible. Yeah. So to have the ability to actually have cello and violin, and it, it's not just girls miming it, it's women <clears throat> Jedis playing it, and you could hear it live on stage, and that's brilliant to me. I mean, I think it's when crazy. We, like everybody, we're all getting up kind of and jamming with each other. When, when you all get up and jam with Lacey, it's, Lacey's got almost that, that voice. It's, a, it's such a powerful instrument her voice mm -hmm. is just straight out it's all like it's uh, it has this uh and the wood strings do for me it's it just it has so much history mm -hmm. for you i mean centuries we've heard strings right things have been written on strings voices even uh the other day i was listening to and not to get all subject too much but i went back to the first recording ever and and it was uh not wasn't the Graham Bell that did that. Fifty years before that, um, there was another recording. Mm -hmm. he did, it, the guy didn't patent it, and but it was this haunting thing. And the way they were singing, the way they were singing, it's just like it's incredible. It's beautiful to me. It's like that hauntingness is where I'm happy. So I'm like, I'm like, I love this, you know. But the strings have that same thing. I mean, it can, it just it, it affects it. When you all get up and jam with Lacey, it's like one of the most powerful. I was I watched it yesterday. I was like, yeah, on the side it was going, awesome. oh my, just it's like, you know, it's one of those moments that you need to see within our show. To me, like I, like I don't think, you know, when you're on stage, you don't get the full power of everything that's happening. Sometimes right. I see the people's faces, and I'm looking at them like, oh yeah, they're totally getting blown away by this one. You know, and it's no, exciting. That's awesome that you, you got to, you know, see it because it's, it's funny that you say that when you're on stage, at least for me, a lot of us too, were like, do these people love this or hate it? Because you're so in your head and you're, you're in the yeah. moment of playing and Absolutely. it's so hard to read the energy because you're getting such a weird sonic experience from where you're standing. And so that part, it's that part of the set. It's like, it's so interesting where people, it's like a trance where people are just staring mm -hmm. and they're just they're like trying to absorb it all because they did not they didn't know that they were paying for that mm -hmm. you know what i mean and that's what you're giving them something that they're like wait a minute this is this is in something that's so far off from what they thought and that's what's the cool part i think to those people are ever everything i'm reading about you know all my fans are like did you see that anyway because you know she, they're so excited for her to go it goes from that to her playing so sick, so heavy with us to, you know, doing the thing. I'm so glad that we're all jamming together. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really, really cool, cool thing about this tour is, and I know you guys, uh, Ben and Corey, when you came to the show, we hadn't played with Lacey yet, but now there there's overlap in all the sets. Yeah. You know, Lacey goes on with Seether. Uh, we go on with Lacey. Dustin goes on with Ben, like all this. And that's great. It's been a really yeah, cool can you, experience. Can you guys talk about that? Because that's, that is a, relatively unique uh situation that i've come across from shows i've seen you know Ellen in terms, John, of, Billy in terms Joel of the, used to do it right but awesome, obviously man. you know it happens but it's not the norm it's rare. you know what you're right, right. It's, it's so it's fucking cool rare. It, it's every now and then a tour like this happens and where every group is there's a connection between every group and this is by far one of my favorite tours that we've done ever you know I, every room you walk into you're like, yes yes and it's awesome <laughs> fuck yeah i love this girl I love that guy everyone's cool the roadies are cool you know like 
everything is on all cylinders and we we've got to do it again we've got to do it again i agree no i yeah. i agree with you completely it's, it's been very cool and it's cool because you know a lot of us walking into tours you know you look at the bill and you're like oh everyone's music is so different like are these fans gonna like what we do especially if we're opening for you know people that have a longer history or different style of music or whatever so i think it's really cool also to just bring in and and support each other in that way you know like br- bring everyone together and be like listen we're all a family like this is this can all work together you know because yeah, it's, it's absolutely it's, yeah, well, I think it's being unusual. a fan coming and watching the show, it was just amazing because first off, like you're like, oh, this girl not only can sing, she oh she sings that song. Like you know, if you don't like if you don't internalize anything like me and have any clue about anything, and then Starset comes on, it was amazing to watch the people in front of me because they had never heard Starset. And yeah. I, I, first off, it was the greatest I've ever seen them. They were so tight that it sounded like I told them, like I literally was so excited that I had seen them do their like uh, acoustic thing earlier because Dustin was like 85%. So like, I know he's a human being because he hit every fucking note dead on. And then they, so, so the guys in front of us are like, I don't know who they are, but like, they're really good. I should look them up and, but like exactly what you want them to do after seeing a band. And then you guys come on stage and I'm like, all right, I, I, I've, I've heard see there about it. Like, and then immediately I'm like, holy shit, these guys are so fucking awesome. And I know every one of these songs and my fiance, like this is the barometer because she's a hot chick. So you like, you know, she with the band and she like <laughs> knew every song. She knew more songs than I did. And I'm like, wow. okay. Oh, uh, that's how you know the band's big is that like when the chick knows more songs than you do, it's kind of like, oh, maybe they penetrated they're the smarter, psyche they're, of they're smarter than we are. That's all. That's well, they're not only are they smarter, but they're the, the greatest things on the planet and they're the best fans to have because like no one wants to go to a winger show and see a bunch of dudes like going like great. The bass is awesome because winger's a great band. They want to go to see Seether and Star Set and Breaking Benjamin and Lacey with a bunch of hot chicks and a hot dudes and everyone's rocking and rolling and holding hands it's a different experience than seeing those metal shows like this yeah I mean, all the dudes in the black show for us it's, it's, it's been an awesome tour i mean uh and it's it's we've i mean we've only got a few more left so, yeah. yeah yeah it went by fast I, I did. I, that's and that's that's when you know it's you know i'm sure just like you i mean I, when we leave our families and stuff like that mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like it's an eternity this one time i'm like damn this I don't want this to end kind of it's gonna be a you know not not cool day when this ends you know so we got to do it again and I think the fans want to you know they're having a great time I think from like you're saying all of the bands are different sounding and Mm -hmm. there's a little twist on each genre we're all rock by the way but Mm -hmm. I I think that our fans and your fans, I think they're, at the end of the day, they just want to hear good fuck, good songs, man. And a good song doesn't matter. This, you know, this era, this, you know, you know, you know, we've been, we've been. But you guys all put on a show. It's not just like a set. You guys have a show. And like one, that's one thing that Star Set, like in, in particular, that I was impressed by. It's just like not one second of lull. It's literally you're just punched in the balls for like a solid the entire time you guys have a show too it's a much more open show where like the guitars are getting feedback and your people are walking around and there's banter and it's just like everyone's singing shit like it's a show it's not just going through the motions and then breaking benjamin comes on and they sound fucking humongous it's one of those things where again every one of you that's on this as a musician watching in i call myself a musician in quotations i was like this is a i, I felt like i was on a trip 
a good trip with Shannon Larkin where it's like, okay, it was sunny for a little bit. There's a little bit of rain, but it was nice rain on my face. Then it got dark for a moment. Like that's yeah. the, your show has so much dynamics between all of you guys. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's everybody's bringing the A game for sure on this. You know, that's another good thing about touring with bands that when that inspiration happens, you're like, man, we need to ever, you can't not bring it on this tour. Everybody's bringing the A game every single night and, and, and having a blast doing it. You know, the fans have been amazing and, uh, you know, they're the ones that make it all this happened anyway so we're well it does make it harder for you guys because one of the things i've always noticed about national bands is that because we're not i've never been a national band i'm just a a guy in a basement with a lot of keyboards is that you a lot of the times they have like you got to think that they're going let's get the shittiest opening band with the most money so with the crappiest sound guy so that when you guys go on stage it's like oh we sound actually so much better than you even thought because you're just happy that it sounds good like it's never happened <laughs> Not you don't do that? If your band sucks, I swear to God, I don't want to do it. I know it's a wall. Oh man, like, no. like, that's such a good trick. I was, you want the best. You want the best, man. I mean, that's here's the deal. The, the audience deserves that. Why would you do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I tell you, you know, we're, insecurity. You, that's Come like on, a shitty manager. Insecurity. <laughs> that's a shitty manager. You know what? I don't have faith in you guys. So let's get the shitty. <laughs> No, but like it's, it's, I think it's, I think it's great. I, you know, I think it's great when you have, because the idea is to be inspired. You want to have the baddest bands playing with you. You want to surround yourself with the best. Otherwise, you kind of would probably, you know, if people out there just getting through it, that's not fun, you know. And 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 that happens sometimes, you know, like bands that don't want to do it anymore, but they're just out there just to do it. I mean, that's I'm like. I'm not inspired by that. I don't want to be. I don't want do to. You do ever six ask yourself with that? <laughs> what would Dimebag do in this case? Because I feel like that whole, especially since he, he he's was taken from us. I feel like after there's like before Dime like there's Dimebag and then after Dimebag. Like especially with touring, because like a lot of people like the art is off. I learned a lot from those guys. Pantera gave us everything, all lights. They had a, an entire PA system of a side fill everything it was the loudest I, you know would, you could possibly be on stage gave us everything he wanted you to bring the best and we did man i, I mean at the end of the day I, I was like we walked on stage and i'm like let's give everything we got you know what i mean and uh and because i did that that reaction like i said it's about the fans man it's about you know i'm like that when i go to see a, a concert I want every band to just blow me away, man. Is I'm here. I'm paying the ticket. Kill me. I love it. And I just bring it. Give it. Give me everything you got. I love seeing that that pour out on from the stage to the fans, and we give it back. You know that that whole thing that makes it harmonic harmonious. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I, I think it's great. I mean, even for me and my experience, it's as someone that grew up in classical music, not rock music. Obviously, now I'm immersed in the rock world, but. I love being on a tour where I can go and like watch your set and watch Ben's set and and learn something about sound design and about playing Corey together and, and about <laughs> yeah exactly assholes. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, uh, and that's the thing during the tour I've watched everybody all bands are watching each other. Mm-hmm. That that's so cool to look, when you look over and you're like oh cool there's another band, band you know person on the other side of the stage you know it's like it really it may, it's it's real 
So that's been it's been super fun, you know. I mean, for us, we're uh, we're starting a new, getting ready to start a new album cycle. So uh, Sean's been writing for that stuff. Um, it's a good way to kind of end as we go into the next record. During the COVID thing, we had this record. We did twenty two songs for this record, and so thirteen make the record that we put out some EP stuff because we didn't know what the world was going to be or how that worked. Um, but man, it's, it, we've, this, uh, Seaweed's Pocket and Parabellum, the one we just did, three number one hits, man. Three number one hits. And that's, that's, you know, people always say, well, see, there's old, and you know, you know we've been doing this and that's, well, we're st- but we're still putting hits out. So, I mean, they don't count us out as the old band quite yet, you know? Absolutely. Um, and you're still hungry. You know, you got to stay that hungry. And I was talking to you guys about playing guitar when I started. And then I played bass for a lot of years. And then now I'm playing guitar. I'm that 13-year-old kid on stage like, oh, my God, I get to play. And, like, I'm so I'm so pumped up. And I, and I love it. I just, for me, like, there's a lot of guitar players – I don't worry about being a, the best guitar player. I just got to be the best in Seether. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I don't care to be the best, if anything, other than in be best me. And I'm in Seether, so that's all I care to be. Sean, well, you have the, three the number one hits, so it, it seems like you're doing all right. I mean, Shannon had four number one hits that he forgot about. So like, <laughs> I feel like that's how you know you've officially made it. It's when you're in a band and you have to actually think back to yourself how many number one hits you have. Because three seems like a lot, but four, right? Well, right? Three seven, fucking seven, hits? Seven Dude, that's you're crazy. All, but, you know, no, who's that's counting? crazy. Yeah, you miscounted back. That's seven, like Mariah Carey, yeah. dude. <laughs> What are you like? What are you, Britney Spears, dude? Seventeen. It's like, but, but dude. See that Sean's. A, here's the deal with Sean, and and that's crazy. like he is such a songwriter. When you talk about a, a writer, <laughs> Seven, I don't know how that many really, fingers. He's he's not even. He's on another plateau. Mm-hmm. He's on another plateau as far as being able to write and develop a piece of music and a melody and lyrics that connect with so many people i mean you know it's it's, it's incredible like I, I, when it, they'll send me the demos and stuff and i'm or i can already tell it's, it's a smash you know and it's just in this <laughs> raw form you know what i mean and it's it's for someone that uh has done it for that many years and can stay relevant and true to themselves and I mean, look, he's, he's, Corey, you should write. I'm like, why would I fuck that up? I mean, <laughs> you know, no, I, and th- that door is always open, you know, but it's like, man, I love hearing what you're going to write. It's, it's, there's a, sometimes you don't mess with the magic. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I yeah, never, absolutely. I would have never told Dimebag, you know, here's, if you just palm you this way, like, no, you don't, some people, you just let them be an artist. And let them express themselves. And if you do that, it, it, you're just going to get your, you will fly. And it, 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 the entire band, Johnny, we've had, uh, speaking of having each other's back on this tour, Johnny's son graduated. And, um, and so he, and it was, it was months and months ago before the tour was even booked, said he wanted that day off. 
Sean, the drummer from uh, Breaking Benjamin, sat in a couple nights ago. Yeah. Played he our played whole with you set. Guys. Yeah. Played our whole set. And, and it's like, that's the kind of tour that's just, that's what makes this thing very special to me and her. Just the, we're like to be around everybody that if anything happened, the show will go on because there's too many great musicians around to help you, you know? That's so, awesome. Yeah. You mentioned, um, you know, how you would get the demos from Sean and like they're very rough, but you kind of tell that, you know, they're going to be a smash. The thing that I like about Sealer is that there is a sound to the band and the sound is, it's not that it's rough, but it's raw and, and very kind of organic in terms of being a rock band. You know, it's not, there's not a lot of bells and whistles like the song. It's, you know, it's the, the straight up rock and roll, like, you know, ACDC instruments on stage yeah. making yeah. it cut through. And that's what you guys have had for so long. And the, and the fact that the, the hits keep coming, it, it, Exactly. You would not want to change that formula because it works really well. Uh, can you talk like a little bit about like how you guys approach the performance side of things, like to keep it in that sort of uh, energy? Well, um, like now that I'm in the band, like it's, it's Sean harmony wise. New, he, I, I, I always looked at Cedar and I was like, man, there's so many cool harmonies. No one's really singing them. Mm hmm. And so I started singing everything. I was like, I'm going to sing all of this cool shit that no one's heard from the other guitar players. And, and, and he, he comes up with a super unique stuff, but, it, but the thing is like, it's gotta be something that it's, it just feels like something that natural for me, you know what I mean? It's gotta be something that's natural. And that's why I think that the fit works, you know? Um, uh his 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 ability to be able to express himself and surround himself with guys that actually that 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 gels with right um there's certain people that like you know <clears throat> that certain things don't work would dime back sound great in either probably not you know what i mean it's like would would uh i'd, I'd buy the record to, to, to hear Brian it though Scott sing faithfully well you know right yeah yeah. Certain, certain songs certain people certain things don't click and i think we finally found it I, i'm glad to be here in cedar i'm humbled by the opportunity and like just to be able to to be a part of uh something that it's how i should have it, it's how i want to end you know my career i guess can i ask you while we're on that topic how that happened can you can you share the story about how you got joined with cedar and, and how that transpired yeah um i mean i've known the guys for 15 16 years now so it's like it wasn't like a get to know each other mm -hmm. thing anymore we were our best friends you know, me and the whole band I didn't, i every time when and sean would take me out in whatever band i was in i never asked he's like he'd call me and say hey dude what are you doing i'm like are you touring or do you want to get you know let's let's go out and um he had a bunk for me. I mean, it was like that. I had my Lowry bunk. I, That's awesome. In in the bus the whole time. So it was it was there was a brotherhood there, mm -hmm. and he never thought. Do you even? I didn't know you play guitar. Why haven't you been in the band for sixteen years now? You know, like, and it, it came where there was a uh, there was an opening, and at like one, I gave him. I had two guitar. My 
my brother Clint and Troy that were Troy played with Cedar for a while, but the fit was not there. And, uh, and seven us was, had some downtime. So Clint filled in and he had seven us stuff coming up and I went out to help. I just came out to help. It wasn't even to join the band. And that's, I love that it's organic like that. Um, but when I was on stage and I'm playing, I don't know, man. And my heart was destroyed because I'm like, this feels like home, you know? Like, I feel like I'm at home and I don't know how, how do I tell them, hey, man, can, can I have the gear? I don't, you know, I don't, <laughs> right. <laughs> I wanted it to be offered, you know, and it was. And he says, dude, this feels right. Do you, do you want to be in a band? And at the time I was with Santa Sonia and we weren't touring a lot. And it just felt more like home than there, you know? And I mm -hmm. love the guys in Santa Sonia, but it was like, this was, I got to go back to my roots of a kid and play guitar again. I was like, I don't even want to play bass anymore. So and get some number one hits. Yeah. And yeah. And Sean's no big deal. Forget about, forget about the number one hits. Cause I mean, I'm sure that, I mean, if you're the 13 year old kid that I think you might've been kind of yeah, like, and and my family, my wife, my wife and daughter love the band too. You know, like it's like I, you have to be a fan of something. Before, you know, yeah, the songs have got to be there. You know, I, every band that you're with, you make sure the songs are there. You know, and see, they always had the songs for sure. You know, and um, and it just felt good to it felt like home. So that's you know, I'm glad to be here, and for, we've it's been five years now. You know, but uh. Time will keep, you know, moving on and we'll keep trying to make everybody, you know, keep doing what we're doing. I don't think we're, you know, hey, we're, we're going to use all these keyboards behind us like you got, like, <laughs> <laughs> out of nowhere, you know. Like. You don't need to. And I'll tell, okay, I'll tell you something about our bands, a Lost Symphony. I bet you if I, I took you. my fiance, I, I bet you if I took my fiance downstairs and we played Lost Symphony, and then we played Seether, one song by one song, and asked her which one she knew. She would know all of your songs before any of my songs. So <laughs> it does. I, maybe I'm doing it all wrong. Maybe I just need to go back to ACDC. And well, we picked a hard genre. No, no, no. It's, you know, like, here's what, here's what I do know as a producer. The ear, the average ear, can only hear three things at the same time. And I spent... I don't know, I've written about 10,000 songs with about 10 billion notes per song. So I know what those songs do, and it's fun. There's a genre for that. Um, but I think a lot of things have happened during musical history of uh, what pop's done, uh, rap's done, country started it probably, of simplistic. There's, there's a beauty in simplistic, simplistic music is very, very hard to write a hit for. Mm -hmm. It's not as easy. As, if it was, everyone would just do it. Um, it's hard. Well, because you have to differentiate yourself. If you're doing three chords, you, you alluded to it on the other episode. If you're doing three chords, you, there's got to be something about those three chords that specifically, because anyone can play three chords. Anyone can play three chords. Yeah, but, but, who but can it's play the melody. It's the whole. But right. like I said, you're listening to the melody and lyrics, the beat, and these three chords. Those three things. But if you if I start adding like, you know, 
16 notes of all this Yngwie arpeggio behind it or something that takes away from that vocal now that vocal is not going to be important and so you gotta you gotta pay attention for me it's like when i listen to songs i'm the vocals are number one for me all the time vocal is god in the that world um the guitars are color it's this beautiful cut the paint how do you paint that picture for that the beat is what's going to that pulse that's going to that everything's going to drive off of but the the guitars you can write the coolest guitar riffs in the world as long as it does not mess with that vocal and that's the hat trick yeah no absolutely that's why we don't have any vocals at all we have no vocals in our band (laughs) we we got rid of the vocals and that's what makes it cool right yeah, it took all the pressure off. But you like you're a melody writer, also. You love melody, and 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 let me ask you, which one's your favorite kind of melody? Like, is it keyboard or guitar? Well, first off, I my favorite musician. Well, my the, my biggest influence is Freddie Mercury. So, like, I I Queen for me is everything that you're saying because they can play "We Will Rock You," which is literally dun dun chan. You hear it at every you know stadium in the world. But then they could play "Bohemian Rhapsody," which is six minutes long of this crazy like let's we could see through the tape from all the harmonies. But then they can go back to crazy little thing called "Love," and my mom thought it was Elvis until I told her it was Queen. You know yeah, what I mean? And, like, and you can, but you can solo up the vocal alone and have the same powerful feeling. Yeah. Well, that's here's the thing that's the craziest amazing. thing about this is what this is the crazy thing about Queen. So this is a, a fact is that another one bites the dust is actually their biggest song. And the the, the story goes that John Deacon used to play it at, at Soundcheck all the time. And he'd be like, let's write a song. And everyone's like, fuck that shit. And Michael Jackson came down one night and uh, he heard it, he goes, that, that would be a good song. You should do that song. And the reason the song went to number one is because everyone thought Freddie Mercury was black. That's true. Where did Michael you find Jackson, that fact? Michael Jackson helped break them to the to the uh, R and B underground. I've, go watch anything about Queen. The fact is because everyone would listen to him and they were all like confused, like who's this fucking dude singing on it? He's got so much of that vibe and that soul. They're all like, he can't be a honky. He's from Zanzibar, actually. He's not even from London. But like that guy had he confused the Michael Jackson crowd and all the people. And by the way, in, in 1981. That was a big crowd listening to Michael Jackson. So that's that's Freddie Mercury all day. So piano usually, if I can't play it on piano or if you can't strum it on on an acoustic around a, a fire, it's probably not a song. So you can check this out. My daughter just wrote her first song on pianos, Bohemian Rhapsody. That's the one she wants to pick. Awesome. Out of all the songs, not Chopsticks, Bohemian Rhapsody. So Ambitious. Six, two days, learns it. Two days. Really? I, wow. I hate her guts. I'm like, <laughs> well, she started out on drums. And like my daughter started out on drums. She'd learned the bass riff for Dangerous, like just picks it up. And like, but I don't, I'm, I, I'm doing kind of what my dad did. I don't influence her. Like I'll show her really? anything she wants to learn. I will show her what, unlike my dad sh- didn't show me, I will show her, but the whole push of, you know, you got to do this. You got to do that. If she ch- chose to do that, like, you know, she's got my blessing. I'll help her along the way. But her first song ever that she wanted to sing was So Sick. And she's six years old, sitting on my lap. I'll play it for, I'll play it for you. It's incredible. D- just kills it. So I'm like, 
she didn't have front teeth so her, her tongue oh, kind of falling through and she, but she's like you know it's, it's I love I love I love I love harm I like I, like I started like piano I love piano because it was like you get all these notes and there could be these chords and yeah. figuring that stuff out is it's still fun I'm everyone's still you're still practicing I'm still practicing you never stop I mean even if you just play the if if you're playing a if you're built a career on simplistic that doesn't mean you don't still want if it's called upon you you want to be able to to show it you know Mm -hmm. what i mean um but are there so many there's like there's so many guitar guitars and pianos i mean that are so out of this world to me it's like i i try i practice more i practice more of what is going to how can I express me? I'm not trying mm-hmm. to express them. You know what I mean? Like I, I love, not unless I'm just so influenced, you know, like going back to like learning some Dio solos, I was like, I just like Dio. So I'm going to have to learn this damn thing. Um, you know, Eddie Van Halen, you like it so much that you're going to try to learn it, you know, like, but as far as, as far as Becker, like the, I'm not going to, I, I did, 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 I love F- flexible when Steve, I came out with flexible. I remember going, this is incredible. How's he doing it? And I didn't have a whammy bar, so I couldn't get through half of it. But <laughs> but classical also. How do you how do you uh, like to me the saddest song in the world's Moon Knight Sonata. It's it just will always be the saddest thing on earth, and I still can't play it right. I play it and I hate it. You know what I mean? But like when I hear somebody that truly can actually play the sadness of that song it's like it crushes me you know what i mean well i think you actually brought out a really good point as far as the simplicity of it all because like look man you can have a gajillion layers but like even if you go back to like a band like rush they were just three guys you know what i mean like and and one of the things that you doing it yeah and and like brilliant brilliantly shredding everyone shredding and it just made so much musical sense. You know, it's the only thing that didn't make sense to me and still kind of doesn't, but I guess I get it. It's like, but why didn't they get like another singer? It's kind of like, it's kind of like, yes, I love yes, but I like, I can't get behind the vocals, but like, like they're so fucking good. You're like, all right. And then like you later on in life, you realize like Getty Lee's just superhuman because he's also playing keyboards with his fucking feet while the professor is playing drums. So you're like, he could sing however he fucking wants, just like Les Claypool. Who cares if he's talking about Tommy the Cat? Have you seen him play a Carl Thompson? Right, right. I mean, he's incredible. I've, I've seen him play. I mean, but you got- Psychotic, I, dude. Dude, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, Les Claypool came in, like, just re- like, you had guys like Victor Wooten, Stanley Clark, Jocko, st- guys like that, and Les Les, no one was there until Les just showed everybody and and made it even rock, you know. Like he made slapping cool, you know. Like Flea did. Like Flea was he's just in fucking incredible. What makes the Chili Peppers great? It's because Anthony Kiedis is just an amazing singer. 
No. Well, we, we got to think about Easy. the drums in that band, too, because Joe Satriani yeah. stole them, and now he's playing with a little bit of Van Halen and Chickenfoot when he did that. So, I mean, you got to think they're the greatest rhythms. And I found out something about Chad Smith and Flea that they don't even really talk to each other. So that makes total sense, is they have like a nice, healthy anger towards one another, and they just take it out on stage. And that explains the Chili Peppers having the greatest rhythm section in rock and roll, is that they don't want to be friends, they don't want to hang out, they've never even been to each other's houses. Never. That's what it said in the magazine. I don't know. TMZ could be lying to me, but I found that TMZ very interesting. Or it. I don't know. I, I don't remember <laughs> right. which it was. Yeah. Listen, Same thing these all days. I gotta tell you is, is that is that they don't really talk very much. But I that explains it because he's Chad Smith is one of the greatest drummers on the planet, and you have Flea, who's one of the greatest bass players. But they're like only in the room because Anthony Kiedis is like, I'm gonna get these pandas to talk to each other and They've look been at that. For a long time, though, you know, like what's really going on there, no one will ever know except them. You know. But it's magic because you want to know what I heard their new record and I look I'm not a huge Chili Peppers fan but every time I hear them I'm like oh that makes sense and then you hear that like Stadium Arcadium I want to say it came out in like 2001 and they'd already had Under the Bridge in 91 you're like they're not getting bigger than this and then they sell 16 million records in the sound scan era which is like literally like absolutely if you sell a million records now or even downloads people are like oh my god that's amazing but this was like 16 million actual units because they just and it was a double record do you think that people don't listen do you think more people listen to music now less attention i think more people listen to less amounts like exactly yeah shorter segments it's like total add with like 15 seconds and then on to the next the way things are consumed is so different that the the old business model just can't there's no way that could ever happen again it's it's called the long tail it's the actual name for it so it's, it's like back in the day you had mtv you had rolling stone you had like live concerts you had magazines and then you had radio terrestrial radio and that was pretty much how you got michael jackson all the time you had michael jackson day on mtv and he was ubiquitous but now because you have all these different channels it's like taking acid where you're like do i talk to the door do i talk to that like so much stuff so now you have so much music and so many different ways of consuming it that people are just like Click, 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 click. So people don't know bands, they know songs. But, no, listen, you, I gotta say. You know? It's been a sold out tour. Well, they mm-hmm. still exist. So, and COVID so, made them happy again. So, so, see you. But then I'm saying like, they, and they're still singing every single word. So I mean, they paid attention enough. I think it really could, still comes down to song, man. The song's king. Absolutely. No, one, no, no download or albums. The album sales and downloads are one thing, but like song, if your song really, if you throw that song up like a flag and you got to see who's going to salute. If they asses in seats matter and always will, because that's the true fan. You can't download that, that. And that, my fiance sang your songs. I was annoyed at her. I was like, I, I took you to Billy Joel. You didn't know any of this shit. You're singing Seether. I took you to Billy Joel. Every song is Billy Joel. She knew all your songs. Yeah. Every Billy one of them. Good. I like there's, there's no doubt that like, and there's no substitute for core fans, like legit fans of bands and they still exist and they always will. Um, I think, I feel like there's more free agent listeners now in terms of like the the it takes it's probably harder to grab those uh fans and make them listen to an entire catalog mm-hmm. uh but when you do they put that effort in and you do get something special like that well that's you know you you, you 
to me, I like taking, I like working, I like taking new bands out, mm-hmm. you know, the bands that they need to be heard, you know, like a new music that needs to be heard out, you know, like Breaking Midger and see that we've been around for a long time, you know what I mean? And we watched the heyday and all that stuff and have been through all this stuff, but it's a lot of the new bands. Yeah, you're right. The, 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 the tension spans like a goldfish, right? It's yeah. very short. Yeah. So, so, but that being said, we can't lose, we can't lose, uh, the, that thing that really bonds us, the community, the community of this music is, and that's the live show. That's the community. They go there, they're talking. I mean, every time you go to a concert, you go there with just your girlfriend or whatever, and but you say hey to 50 people you've never met in your life, and you and you have that same thing in common. Yeah, no, or you look over and that person's singing it like you're singing it. Like there's that bond. There's a community there, and I think bands have got to keep building the community. Because if we lose well, it's the called community, pennies in the done. jar, man. It's like every single fan that you get, like the guy who watched Star Set that was like, oh, I just internalized that these guys are awesome. I'm going to go look them up. And it's like you keep doing that for years because I'm going to tell you a true story. In 2001, there's a band named Breaking Benjamin that opened for my band Carve in uh, Lowell, Massachusetts. And I remember specifically saying, who are these fucking dudes trying to break me? on stage and it's depressing because I'm still playing the same shitty place in Lowell, Massachusetts if they'll have me on Thursday nights and you guys are playing like 6,000 seaters and shit so it's just kind of crazy to see it all come around because I watch those dudes like literally get the same drink tickets opening for my shitty band so to know that you guys are doing this, it's it's amazing to have watched. I mean, I saw Stuck Mojo and I saw Stereo Mud. So it's one of those things where it's like, and then just so you know, I put them all together today because Corey and I had a conversation about it where we we're like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, and it's so amazing to think that you were a part of all those bands. Like my big question here is- I've been, like, what, I've been super lucky, you know, to what, be with so many cool bands and so many, and uh, I, you know, the thing is, I just don't quit, man. Like I don't give up. I don't. I don't give a shit. I. I, I seriously don't. If a band breaks up, then I would move on. You know, like I, I, my thing was, I can write. I'll write my way out of this fucking problem that I'm in. If it feels like a problem, I'm just gonna. Now I'm hyper depressed. I'm pissed off. There, there's never. There's never gonna be better music popping out now because it's I like have the all chad smith flea thing they're a little bit angry they don't want to talk they make the greatest red hot chili peppers record and they're the best rhythm section case in point no but that's a really important thing to say though is that yeah you got to keep going i mean it's like i feel like every time i get to the next thing i'm like oh my gosh now i have to step it up and just keep working and working you know to the you always have to be continuing to develop your craft and and expanding your horizons and absorbing all the stuff that's around you and it's like there's never a a, a good time it's to settle in any way it's just a journey you can't if you if you want to start you say oh there's another you know here's a mountain that i gotta climb and just say i'm not gonna climb it i mean I, that's with a brand something falls apart i broke my heart with stereo mud you know like without it really hurt but then it was like wait a minute it's gonna be okay and I, that's when i put dark new day together you know, it's like, and more, I, what do I get out of it? I just get more cool music and I get to be part of that whole thing. And, but if I sat on my couch depressed and said, fuck it, I'm out of here. I wouldn't have got to experience this. It wouldn't have gotten me to see there today. Everything to me has got me where I'm at right now. And that's all I, 
it and it, it wasn't the easiest path trust me you know what i mean some nights i'm like oh you know and the depression all those things just like every you know like it, we you have you have to you have to take it for what it is and say i'm gonna make something happen period and i'm gonna throw myself out there i'm gonna throw my name out there however and it and dude if you do it and it you've been cool you haven't been a shit talker and you know because this is a small little industry it's a super small mm-hmm. industry really and usually you'll find another path you'll find another well, path of killer people and it'll be even better than it was before you know? well it's important you keep saying something because okay so i think there's a huge like break between what people think and the way people actually live as rock stars because see there's a band you got three number one hits just on this freaking record like you're rock stars but you're talking about depression and you know we we talk about this in the music industry a lot like you know you have all these amazing musicians and it's like you know brad delp one of my favorite bands boston took his own life depression what what do you think now people who aren't in the music industry what are they not seeing that causes this depression and what do you as somebody that's on the road understand you know, when you see other people that are going through that depression, how to help them out of it? Um, I mean, well, we, we do a Rise Above Fest, and it's mm-hmm. about uh, suicide awareness. Maybe put that in the description. Maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've played that too. It's awesome. And it's it's we, you know, Sean lost his brother to suicide, and it's it's very close, and we've had family members to you know friends, and it's and we all deal with that that thing of hopelessness and stuff like that. And everyone does. I, I think that you got to know that there's some support out there and there, and like, it's okay to fall cause you're going to have some people catch you and to really submit and say, damn, fuck it. I need help. You know? And, and usually a lot of these cases are um, brief, like a, a minute of just tragedy thinking of it's all hopeless I want out of here and it's that's not the case just breathe stop slow it down and talk to somebody just reach out you know because it's someone loves you out there you're going to affect you're bigger than you know you are you are going to affect so many people and that in not a good way if you're not here if you're here we everything can be worked out everything you can move forward Everything can be worked out. Anything can be forgiven. None of that shit matters at the end of the day when it comes to your life. And um, so we get behind it as hard as we can. And and because we we all we deal with those things individually, you know. I mean, as band, as you know, coming home, the you know we all went into a little a lot of that during the COVID thing because you're like the one thing I know how to do good you're saying it's fucking worthless. So mm-hmm. what am I now? You know, I had to remember I'm a father, I'm a husband. I, I, I have a family and I, I, I got to stay strong. I had to do that. But at night, every night I would go downstairs in my basement and just be like, Oh man, I can't move forward. There's what the fuck is going on? You know? So I had to sort I did all kinds of, I got into jujitsu, you know what I mean? Yeah, you were talking I, about that the other day. I, That's I, like, awesome. I, I was like, I'm going to physically break myself. And I ended up getting my blue belt. And I still, now I have a new passion for that. You know, it's like, find something, find something 
that keeps you moving forward. Even when the God gift thing that you have is taken away, find something else that you don't like and do it until you do like it. You know, put yourself, don't get, nothing's comfortable. Do it. Even us as musicians, if you don't rehearse and you go out, you feel like shit. You're like, Oh God, but we, we uncomfortably rehearse over and over until damn, I'm comfortable again. Yeah. Let's tour, you know, like, and it, it makes it all good, but we got to, I don't, I don't think we'll ever be living comfortable. I don't want to be in comfortable world to tell you the truth. I like being uncomfortable and sorting through it and navigating and, and the, the depression part is it's it's part of who I guess we I, a lot of musicians are, and it's you know it's like why are you depressed? You're a musician. You're gonna get all this love, but the, the fucking love's up here, and then you go home. There's the fucking nothing. But hold on, maybe yeah. do do you feel like that the depression or like the hopelessness is because like every time I meet a super awesome musician of almost any kind, I'm like there's something wrong with them. Because almost every awesome player I've met, like, oh, it's like, oh, you have a debilitating mental disorder or like you come, like we have PTSD or like you have a serious drinking, like he's the greatest guitarist ever. He's constantly drunk and has cirrhosis. Like there's, and and I feel like that's part of being a musician is, is, is a lot of the greatest musicians that I've met or that have ever lived have all, they have some kind of staggering self-doubt or they're depressed, or there's something like, you know, as Siobhan was saying, to be the greatest violinist, you have to have mental disorders. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's crazy. It was a little you more see, poetic than that, but yeah. <laughs> well, you've seen... Heifetz you know, did. You've seen things, you know, whether you've been molested, you've been... You've watched people get killed in front of you, you know, family shit, you know, like, a lot of shit happens in your life, and then you, you're expected to be that person on stage, and the stage for some reason is the only place you do feel at home at some point. And then you get off of it. And now you're that guy that got molested and fucking watched a bunch of shit happen. And you're like, Oh yeah, I'm just that guy. And then, then you, you get the up of people clapping and you know, like, so this, that ride is weird. And yeah, the music, it, it, you play, it, it helps. It helps more than, uh, it helps to write. It helps to play. It helps to listen. It helps. It helps a lot. And you know, fans, we hear their stories, and you know, we we relate to each other through a lot of the lyrical content. And you know, I can look at some people and go, "Yep, I need to give that person a hug." You know, like they're fucked up like me. I like it. <laughs> you know, like so you bond, and you know, and you're not, you know, I don't feel insecure around them. You know what I mean? And that's another cool part of the fans sometimes. It's like, especially the fans that need us like that. You know, I, I feel, come here, you know, you're, we're going to be good. This sucks, but we're, you know, we're going to be fine. I promise. And they promised me it's going to be fine. And I believe them. So. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll second it's that. Amazing. We experience a lot of that too with, on the star set side, so many fans that will relate and, and tell us stories of, you know, they were suicidal or they lost somebody or something that was like really, really upsetting in life. And they really need that music, you know? So even for us, times where I feel insecure, self-doubt, it's like I have to go on stage and like channel that strength because you never know who is that person that's out there that's 
really holding on to you for like some sense of security or some stability or there that's that song that they want to hear that really like brought them through something over and over and over again you know so that really does give you that energy i think of like all right i can do this i'm gonna bring it back to i'm gonna bring it back to this Corey. do you ever feel like it's like star wars where you see like what anakin young anakin he's like a ghost right but it's dime bag on the side of the stage watching you like you're in stuck mojo and you, you start playing again knowing that Dime's about to pour you a seven, seven and seven or Black Tooth Grin. Black Tooth Grin, does, yeah. Does, does it ever go through your head like maybe I just need to push this one one louder for that dude? Well, like... like or yeah. someone like him, your dad. Or your dad watching you. Last night we played and there's this moon. And yeah, we're outside. Yes, yes. This moon is like fucking beautiful, right? And I... And I, and I you know, you're playing some of the songs and within some of our set, just some, especially the jam sessions, I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking about all the things like that, you know, dying bag, you know, my dad, like just family. And, you know, cause we have this and now I'm not even play, It's playing itself. I don't know what we're doing. I'm just looking and I'm just, this vibes happening. And you're just thinking about stuff like that. And then the song, you know, slowly cr- starts to kick in and you, then you're back out and you're doing your thing. But like, yeah, that stuff all the time, man, all the time. You get lost within it. And that's that's the the coolest part about being on stage sometimes or even watching. You can watch bands do it you know, like that when you, they get lost and they're just mm-hmm. like, this thing's happening now. It's not... There's nobody's playing music anymore. There's just things happening. So it's it's very cool. Yeah. It's great. It's amazing. You um, you know, you're your producer, you're a songwriter, you're you're obviously on tour currently with Seether. Um, do you do any writing like for yourself? Uh, especially like recently over like throughout the COVID lockdown stuff? Like are you, is there a solo uh, project coming out at any point that anyone could expect? I, you know, I get asked that a lot. I, I don't you know I I write I have always write I have a ton of stuff I don't know like you know it probably you need keyboards I got some <laughs> keyboards no oh, I'm yeah. saying like if you want keyboards I'll totally work for like <laughs> he's got like fifteen of them right there <laughs> I, I, I'll I'll I make them t- sound good I can tell you can get these things going I I can just tell about you you know <laughs> no I like to push buttons <laughs> man but, uh, it, um. You know, like that. There again, like right now, we're in Cedar and we're in that world. And you know, like, but I, I have to write, continue writing because that's you know. And a lot of times, I'll write stuff in other bands. And, you know, this song would be sound cool with this band, or you know, it's just like, man, this is, it would fit. I, I try to help let all that stuff happen naturally. And where does this song feel like it should go? You know, like. And I'll throw it out sometimes to bands or some a band out of the clear blue will say, hey, man, do you have anything in it? And I'm like, I know the song. I already hear it. I'm like, I hear them singing it. I got to see it all in my head for some reason. Like, mm-hmm. like that's, that makes total that's sense. Yeah, good. Rather than 
the putting it somewhere. I don't want to put it. I want it to put itself. Don't, but don't you think that being a, a producer is like being a kind of a visionary, even if it's being like delusional in the sense that you're like, I know that this song is supposed to be the one, you know, it's it, 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 and knowing that like this is right for this band and this is right for this drummer. And this it's just like, you know, a casting person knowing like, oh, Al Pacino should have been in The Godfather. It's right. like that's what you do as a producer is like you just kind of let it happen that way. Yeah, you ha- I think you have to have a you have to have a, a sense of, and you have to have the ability just to let that happen. I think a lot of times in writing songs, you can get in your. Have you ever gotten your way of a song? Oh, you know what absolutely. I mean? like you started writing, and you're like, <laughs> oh, and, it, and it's you, your your ego, or whatever is telling you do this, do this. And if I do that, everything sounds like shit to me. Like, but the second I like, I watch Jason Becker, and I go, I suck, and I have to go back Jason and practice Becker's more. Like, he, but he's seeing it all. You know what I mean? He's literally <laughs> well, he's, seeing it now. Well, well here's the thing that you've done. Happen. But this is the difference is that Jason Becker is a higher pay grade than most people are even able to comprehend. So it's like one of those things where like, yeah, he's great, but only like a niche of people who can even understand like that his fingers aren't fake. Um, can I don't want to say can appreciate it, but can understand and feel it the way that we do. Whereas, again, you, you guys write songs. There's a difference between that and the transcendence of a song to have a number one hit where everybody in any country can sing it back to you. That's a different thing. And I feel like that that's something that like total, with your it band. A total different, it's a total different thing. But at the same time, it, he still inspires me. You know what I mean? And that that's what I'm saying. I, I think, I, you know, the, I don't want to put either one down in any form. Well, you know there's an I mean? X Y axis. This is how I look at it. There's Prince in the middle. He's Eddie Van Halen, <laughs> and he's the greatest songwriter. So there's Prince, and then there's like technicians like your Michelangelo Badios, who's never written a song that you can even remember, but he's the greatest player in the history. And then you have guys like you know your Kurt Cobain, for example, who's a great guitarist, but like not not a technician in the slightest, but wrote songs that are so transcendent. But then you have Prince in the middle. Where, which do you think, do you put more emphasis on, let's say, technique, or do you put more emphasis on just the fact that it's just writing, or do you want to just be Prince all the time? Because I want to be Prince all the time. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm trying not to think about it. It's a weird yeah. XY axis. I, I know. Just, it. I'm trying not, I'm, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I try not to even Purple. go there. Because if, because A, they are already there, <laughs> and I'm not trying to be that, uh, you know? <laughs> You can't be that. that. That's the sad part. I appreciate what they do. Like Kurt Cobain, the rawness of him, the technician of Prince. I get all that. But like, uh, it's, there's a reason they, there's a reason Kurt lived the way he did and was able to write how he wrote. Total same thing with Prince. There's a way that Prince lived in his life, just as a person that allowed him to write like that. I'm just trying to live my life and write like I write. Right. And, and as you said, I, I think in the last part, you know, you you need to aspire to be the best version of you in the situation you're in, because that's your lane and that's your life, you know, and that's that's something that I totally relate like, to as well. Like, so, so, like, so the we are the world. Like if you look back, do this for me, go back and look at we are the world, the original. Right. How many individuals were really unique and then you listen to the new version and everyone sounds the same everybody the it's watch it and it's like it's kind of sad i'm like 
every now and then you'll see that one person stand out a little bit. But we're talking about with the original, you know, Cindy Lauper doesn't sound like Tina Turner, you know, like, you know, Michael Jackson doesn't sound like Kenny Rogers, you know what I mean? And, but it was a, so much different going on and unique. And that, I think that I hope that people are, are more themselves and not, and the labels are telling us, the labels will tell you, this is what a hit sounds like. You know, the, and mm-hmm. other producers will tell you, this is what we need to do. This is the format. This is the arrangement. You got to ignore all that shit and just do what, do what's natural for you. I, I need you to That's demystify great. something for me because you said you wanted to be the greatest guitarist in Seether. But then I watched like all this Beatles stuff and they say that Ringo's not even the greatest drummer in the Beatles. Would you be insulted if you were Ringo Starr? No. Because I'm, I'm, I'm playing a show tomorrow night. It's going to be awesome. Or next night. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not even that's the greatest, great. but, but he's not even no. the greatest drummer in his band. But that's yeah. a great, that's honestly the greatest mic drop answer. You're like, I'm playing a sold out show. Yeah, yeah. So have fun with your podcast, dude. I, you know, like, listen, no, I, 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 I give, I give credit where credit's due. And that's, and Seether to me is what something that Sean built a long time ago before I was here. And with his writing, and stuff like that, you you have to give credit where it's due. I don't think he gets credit enough that he should, and that's and that's just the truth. A lot of people, like you, you were saying, I didn't, you didn't realize this song was from him. This, this song he wrote. This song he wrote, and that and that's not that bothers me. You know what I mean? So when we do these things, I always try to. Let the world no, know. but it should it shouldn't because I'm going to tell you why. Because when Dimebag Daryl died, so did music for me. I didn't care. I didn't. I haven't internalized a song other than the fact that ironically I was a DJ until COVID happened, so I had to learn new songs. And I'm like, oh shit, and it made me really depressed. But like the fact is, is like I, there are so many. I talked to Shannon Larkin again from Godsmack, and I literally couldn't tell you any of the songs. Like I went back and listened to everything, and he's like, we had four number one hits. I'm like ever he's like no just on this record and i'm like oh really that's how disillusioned i am i look him like right in the face and i'm like i have no idea and now that we're repeating stories from earlier in the episode <laughs> we can uh we can wrap things up here Corey. <laughs> seriously thank you for for hanging with us like this has been an that absolute blast um, hey guys it's been fun i knew it would be fun and thank y'all for inviting me and hold on did you know. see the deal we are the world because i now i need to know this because you said you learned the vivian ben. campbell so awesome. i want to that's a whole different thing that's badass because everyone's different in that, too, and I, I'm just curious your opinion before. That's a personal question. When's the new one coming out? Uh, well, Dio's dead. But Dio did one. Wow. Did you, 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 you saw that, right? Awesome. Yeah, of course. Are you kidding me? That's like There's the like greatest. solos in it. Of course I'm a one. <laughs> oh, all right, cool. As all long right. as I know right, that. Ben. We are stars. Yeah, all that. We are stars. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Corey, you're the best. Thank you so much for doing we this. Love you, it dude. means no, it means so much to me that you did this and I'm I'm so glad to have a new friend and it's been great touring with you and I love that you shared your stories with us and my friends here. So where can people keep up with uh, what you have going on? Uh seether.com and yeah, f- follow us on tour and stuff like that. Bands that want to work with me, you know, like I'm pretty easy to find. I don't even promote it too much anymore. I just, you know, if, if it's just bring the best and that you got. And if, if I can help in any capacity, I try to help. So do you want to share awesome. your social media or tell people where they can follow you to keep up with you personally? Yeah. What am I? Uh, you know, that probably. <laughs> I, 
I, um, I think it's just your name on Instagram, but Corey, I, I what's your Corey Lowry. Lowry. Number? <laughs> Corey Lowry. Hold on, I'm looking at it, trying to find it. Yeah, Corey Lowry, Lowry official. Official. Very important. Yeah, and I'm gonna go follow him right now. It's uh, it's Corey with an E. Yes. <laughs> yes. Buy that extra vial. Right. How, oh wait, how <laughs> many how many pictures do I have to like for you to follow me back? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, maybe five. Like I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's that's the price of admission. That, that was a Ben question. All right. Uh, I'm gonna follow you guys right now. I'm looking at your look at this. Oh, look, oh, oh wow. look at you there. Wow, I should probably wow. update my website if you're looking at you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, look at the face of this. Like, oh, yeah. Like, Rocking the fuck out. <laughs> that, was playing, that was playing with Ben like 10 years ago. <laughs> no, seriously, man. It's been a pleasure. And, and you know, uh, I hope we, we all keep in touch. And I hope the rest of your tour goes amazing. And I hope we get to catch you again really, really soon. Sure, if you come man. to Boston, I, I, I'm one million percent serious when I tell you that I would love to put one of these Jason Becker guitars in your hand, and we can totally amazing, have our dude. little fun, you know, like whatever we can do for Jason. We can make something funny, Spinal Tap, whatever, because he just thinks it's he's got a great sense of humor. So it'll be awesome. My wife's family was from Boston. Man, Red Auerbach show was her uncle. There you go, wow. dude. Oh yeah, that's awesome. And he was she was mad at him because he wouldn't allow cheerleaders. When she was a, a little girl, she was like, I want to be a cheerleader. He said, no. dude. Tell a little girl no. What the hell's wrong with that man? How dare you? Anyway, well, thank you for that. Dude, if I could, if I, uh, dude, just bring that thing. Let me look at it. it that would be an honor just to even look at that guitar. So. Uh, it's my absolute pleasure. And, and, and honestly, thank you so much. And when, when you come to town, like we'd love... We, Corey and I will totally come out and check it out. And yeah, you know, obviously, say, man. We'll if you're with Siobhan, we'll see you as well. Yeah. yeah well, if not, I'll come with you guys. I'll She'll totally grace us with her presence. <laughs> well, she's a real rock. Well, she, when she's not too busy, like playing ultra in front of like 80,000 people with Kygo, someone who's actually like, I mean, I know we have number one hits over here, but like Kygo, I mean, obviously every girl who's like 17 knows Kygo, hey, right? Listen, I'm just now learning the bow, bro. Just give me a second. Just give, right. give him a second. Well, we're going to need you to get you on the next Lost Symphony song once you master that. So we'll, we'll be in touch for that. But, oh, but yeah. guys, check out 2020-D.com. Um, See there, Stereo Mud, Stuck yes. Mojo. All that good He's stuff. He's an awesome producer. Check it out, right, subscribe, and we will see you next week. Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-D.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 132 featuring Gary Holt of Exodus and Slayer. Check it out. <laughs> and, uh, and we're sitting there backstage, and we're just talking to some people, you know. And all of a sudden, here comes Prince walking right towards us. And like, I didn't, still didn't know he wrote the fucking song. And uh, what the fuck is Prince doing here? And he comes, and me and Rick are just jaws dropped. And he looked down at us and just gave us a nod. So that was my my closest touch to greatness. And then we lied and told all our friends we jammed with him backstage. <laughs> 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 jammed with man, it was rad. Huh? Just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, he smelled really good. Interesting. <laughs> smelled great. Like, whatever bespoke cologne he had on was just awesome. Just smelled so good. He was enchanting. <laughs> yeah, he walked by, and, you know, as the jaws were dropped, we got to took it in. I can still smell it to this day. It was epic.
One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.